Today on the Talent Cast, the missing piece of your recruitment puzzle has almost nothing to do with recruitment. <laughs> Back in a second. Howdy! Welcome to the Talent Cast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I, am always, am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We have instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, You can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, As always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. Hey, it's James Ellis here. How you doing? Uh, good morning. Coffee's made here in the bunker. Ready to record. Uh, very excited. Episode number 16. So there you go. Um, today I want to talk about recruiters and hiring managers. Yes, yes. So if you do a little basic math, um, if you go back and you look at how much you spend on your ATS and your media and your website and your social media and your pay-per-click and your SEM and your SEO and your events and your recruitment events and your campus events and your hiring events and 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 (laughs) it's a long list um you're going to notice that's like a all your budget right that's all of it i mean your recruiters recruitment marketers talent acquisition people it's all about getting people in the door right getting them in the in the company being aware apply for that job apply 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 the the application ends up being for the most part for most companies anyway not all of them um you know the ultimate metric how many applies did that job get how many applies did that recruiter get that's what you measure that's what you look for that's that's the the sign of 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 success right yay we win uh no that's 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 not actually true so the thing is is that and, and having spent the last three years in the recruitment marketing world thinking and talking and and, and hanging out with recruiters and recruitment marketers i used to always say that the funnel started with you know you're unaware of the you know the marketing funnel you're unaware of the job or the company you're aware of the job of the company you become interested in the job or the company you see the job and you're like hmm let me go do some research i'm going to go validate my interests so i'm going to decide to apply and then i apply yay i'm done and the truth is that's like step one Um, I had a recruiter tell me uh, once, you know, the truth is I don't turn those job recs off on the website until the butt's in the seat. It's just, it's not done until it's done. And I think that's the smartest move ever. I think that's the smart way to think about it. You know, while our metrics are all about how many applies did we get, how many people do we draw in, uh, because quality metrics are really thin and barely, you know, whatever, um, that's what we focus on. And the problem is, is that that's not the full funnel. In fact, that's the step one of the funnel. The rest of the funnel are things like, oh, I don't know, filtering out resumes and phone screeners and 
first round interviews and second round interviews and the offer and the negotiation and the acceptance and then again the butt in seat that's the rest of the funnel so if you're doing an amazing job as a recruiter and the metric is the app, uh, apply process and you are stuffing the funnel full of resumes of of wonderful human beings and that's fantastic and you're doing a killer job and you think that's the end of the process you're wrong now here's the problem who's in charge of that model of thinking recruiters are in charge of recruiting recruiters are paid to think about how do I get people to apply for that job and they'll shepherd them through part of that process of course but really it's all about how do I get people to apply for that job um, Recruiters can easily just say, look, I brought you 100 qualified candidates and you didn't choose any or you didn't do the work, hiring manager or manager or whatever. I can't help that. And that's kind of true. Um, I'm not going to quibble with that. Um, the recruiter can only do so much. The recruiter can't put the butt in the seat, right? If I'm hiring for a new accountant, the recruiter can give me options, but the recruiter can't put the butt in the seat. And I had no idea three and a half minutes in I'd be saying the word butt quite so much. Um, you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't. You 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 can't. You don't have the power, the authority to you know to make that hire happen. So all you can do is focus on getting people in the door and getting them introduced to the right people and getting them to see resumes and getting them to understand the jobs. So you're finding the right people, so you're presenting the right people. That's as much as a recruiter can do. A hiring manager, the person who actually is going to feel the value of the work being done by that new hire is on the other side of this fence, this huge, huge fence. Um, and they're focused on how do I, first off, they're focused on a million things. They're focused on you know, the rest of their team and getting their job done and reports and TPS reports and, and, and you know, the, their boss and their bosses and it's a million things going on and selling and sales and reports and all that stuff. They have a million things to do. And when someone quits on them, they don't usually see it as, oh good, it's an opportunity to bring new talent. It's an opportunity to um, reinforce the culture. It's an opportunity to um, an opportunity to really increase the number of skills I have at my disposal for my team. No, what they see is, oh, for the love of all that's holy, I got to stop what I'm doing for the next like four weeks and focus on hiring someone who I don't know and I don't feel comfortable with and I don't know what I'm doing and I got to hope, like I'm going to cross every finger and toe and hair I got left to say, man, I hope I made the right choice. I'm picking that person over that person. And when they come and they can actually make eventually one day a positive impact on this company. That's how they think. <laughs> it's too bad. Uh, and I don't know how well the recruiters get that. And I don't know certainly how well hiring managers get what the recruiters do. In fact, um, so it's a Lloyd, um webinar two days ago in which they produced some data that said 20% of all hiring managers didn't understand that if they didn't move a job applicant forward, meaning if they didn't do some phone screeners, they didn't actually set up some meetings and set up some interviews, the, the, the job wouldn't get filled. Now, to me, I go 20% of those people need to get fired. <laughs> I don't even know what you're thinking. I mean, just basic common sense gets you there, but whatever, whatever. Um, so clearly, there's a wall. There's a wall between recruiters and hiring managers. Now, I think there's depend there's two different kinds of companies and I think the, the companies depend on where that wall is right so in some companies the recruiters live purely on that first part of the funnel I'm hiring I'm, I'm bringing in applications I'm bringing in applications I'm bringing in applications and I'm throwing them over the fence and you guys figure it out and you know hasta la bye bye I'm good their job is to go you know uh, uh, 
uh, bird dog, there's my Texasism right there, my bird dog new applicants and new prospects and go troll LinkedIn and start building relationships and hey, do you know people and hey, I'm looking for someone for this really you know purple squirrely kind of job, this unicorny kind of job. Um, I'm looking for this rare particular set of skills. They're out beating the bushes and talking to people and they're doing their jobs, at least how we all describe their jobs, right? That's what they do. The hiring managers, now, oh, what's interesting about that process is that Recruiters, first off, you don't really go to school to be a recruiter. I think recruiters are probably closer to being born than made. Uh, they get better as they go on if they pay attention, if they focus on what they're doing, if they look and they think about it and they read you know, books and websites and stuff and listen to wonderful podcasts, perhaps like mine. Um, but really, there's no MBA for recruiting. There's no, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's marketing MBAs, there's sales classes, there's all sorts of stuff about how to run businesses, but there's nothing about recruiting. You don't, no one, you know, when, 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 when your child comes home from college as a junior and says, mom, dad, I've decided to, you know, major in recruiting, you will look at them and go, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, what now? Uh, doesn't happen. You don't get trained that way. But recruiters have, you know, starting as an entry-level recruiter and a sourcer and uh, trolling resumes, and you learn the job. You, you know, you, 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 you learn the skills of the job by doing the job. Um, you, you start as a junior, you do the base level job, someone teaches you, okay, notice when this person writes this resume or when this happens, it's a sign that X, Y, and Z, and you start to pick up tricks and you start to pick up skills and you apprentice to some extent and you become really good at being a recruiter and then you start to add on what natural skills you have as a salesperson, as a networker, as a speaker, as a talker, as a you know a thinker. We, you know, every, every, different, every recruiter is different and everybody brings different skills to bear. Uh, it's not a cookie cutter job by any means, I don't have to tell you guys. You, you do folks that um, but you apprentice through that job and someone teaches you how to do that and that's you know the the skill of recruiting is effectively 99% of your job you are evaluated on your ability to recruit now go over the other side of the fence now the hiring manager was hired or, or promoted in some cases to do a job and to manage a team and develop an offering or whatever they're doing no one said we hired you and we promoted you because we think you're gonna make an amazing hiring manager that is not usually something that enters into their mindsets. That's usually not part of the process. Can you do the job of understanding the, the thing and managing a team and high, you know and, and helping people grow and selling it and you know being accountable for your TPS reports and all that stuff? That's what the job of management is. A hiring manager usually focuses more on you know their quarterly numbers or their monthly numbers, their quarterly reports and all that stuff, and making sure the thing gets done. Not about staffing up, right? No one, no one teaches that. You can get an MBA in business management. Um, no one teaches you hiring. <laughs> There's no skills for that. Uh, and in fact, the people who seem to care about, in my experience, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you think I'm, I'm, I'm way off base here, but most hiring managers treat the process of hiring as this thing they have to do. It's kind of like um, it's an add-on that no one wants to do. It's, it's it's like when you buy a new house and it's a pretty house and you're like, oh, thank goodness it has a house, but you still have to clean the gutters. And no one said, I bought this house because it had an amazing gutters. No, no one picked the house because of the gutters, but it's a task you have to do as part and parcel of doing this job because you have to build a team and your team is, you know, predicates this, this, the ability to execute and to grow and to generate all those wonderful reports and do all those things. You have to build a good team, but no one teaches you how to hire. No one taught, I mean, I, I've been in so many interviews with people who are, you know, not 
stupid people and certainly not young people who I swear they didn't know how to interview. How many of you have been in or heard of people still asking me, give me your biggest weakness question in an interview? Yes, people still do that. It's unbelievable. It's the eight-track tape deck of the interview question. It is so old. It's got whiskers. It's so old. It remembers voting for Carter. It is so old. You can't believe this. And yet people use it all the time. Why? Well, it's not because they don't know any better. If you took that hiring manager side and said, did you learn anything from that question? They would say no. Of course not, because everybody knows it's a stupid question. Everybody, every uh, recruit and every job prospect has a pat, canned, stupid, polished answer to that question, not to answer the question, but to dodge the question, because it's a stupid question. Frankly, I think uh, it's, that's not a question for the recruiter, or the, I'm sorry, the prospect, so much as it is as a lesson of, hey, hey, prospect, this may not be the boss you want. <laughs> this person may not care about hiring. I think it tells more about the hiring manager and the person asking the question than the person answering it. I got to do coffee now. Mm. Not too shabby. All right, so no one trained the hiring manager. No one taught them what an interview question was. No one taught them how to think through the job. How many job descriptions are stolen from other job descriptions? How many, you know, as we talked about last week, the job descriptions still suck. The hiring manager, chances are, did not write that job description. Chances are they adopted it or they it was thrust upon them and made a quick little polish before they threw it out into the world for people to see. They gave the recruiter, you know, meager meat with which to use his bait. Then when the recruiter comes back with you know, 10, 100 people to look at, they go, I don't know what I'm looking for. So they do things like, oh, that person has a, they're missing a period at the end of that line on the second page of the resume. Throw it out. Why? Why? They're just, I mean, you, <laughs> the, 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 the ugly truth of hiring managers' jobs is that they're not looking for a good candidate. What they do is they go through resumes, the big, big pile of resumes, and I hope someone teaches job seekers this too. They go through a big pile of resumes and all they're doing is looking for reasons to throw them out. They're trying to turn a pile of 50 or 100 into a pile of 5 or 10, something they can get their head around and their hands around and say, okay, I know what this is. So all they're looking to do is throw resumes out. So the missing period on page two, which means nothing for the job because it's a job for, I don't know, a sales guy or a, you know, a shark or a, a you know, um, 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 a networker or a marketer or someone for whom that level of detail would be nice to have but not exactly mission critical. It's not like they're your quality assurance person or your, uh, your you know, reporting expert or your accountant. Um, that Those are people for whom the ability to be detail-oriented are crucial to the job, right? So they're just looking for excuses to get rid of your resume because they just they can't think of it. Because most hiring managers don't know how to evaluate a resume and say, man, this person has real potential or this person has real, t real talent. What they're trying to do is say, in 100 resumes, get rid of as many of these as I can. Make this a manageable size, which is brutal because in the process, they're throwing out real talent. Whatever. So no one taught the hiring manager Yes, I get it. You're looking for reasons to throw these people out. Maybe you should be looking for reasons to keep them. And maybe beyond that, maybe you should have in your head the crucial skill or skills this person needs to have. If you're looking for a developer, obviously they need to be able to code in whatever coding language you're talking about. But do you need a coder who is going to start projects? and finish them? Or do you need a coder who works well in very big teams and is a team player? Or do you need a coder who knows how to manage existing code? Those are three different people. I mean, three radically different people. And someone really good in one is going to be atrocious potentially in the other two. 
But the hiring manager is just looking, throwing it out, throwing it out, throwing it out. Don't like that period. Don't like that font. Don't like that color. Don't like that layout. Don't like the blah, 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 blah. Didn't go to a good enough school. Didn't go in a big enough job. Didn't have, have enough years experience, blah, 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 blah. They're looking for excuses to toss it out. Hiring managers are never taught this stuff. It's brutal. So consequently, when thrown a stack of resumes by the recruiter over the wall, they don't know what to do and they end up hiring. They end up hiring meager. They end up hiring in the middle. When you don't know how to hire, and we're going to get back to where that wall is in the two different companies in a second. When you don't know how to hire and you don't know how to say, look, person A had all the qualifications I asked for, but I don't think they're going to just jazz. I don't think they're going to run with this. I think they're going to just be order takers, and that's not what the job is. What I want is someone who knows how to start and stop and has start and end things and get things done. And this person, they don't quite meet 100% of all the qualifications, but they really feel like someone who knows how to start projects and get them done. They don't know how to say that because they, because if that person sucks, if that person screws up, if that person, it's on their head. And so they have to be able to turn around and say, look, I chose this person because they met all the qualifications. You can't blame me. Blame the qualifications that I wasn't in charge of. You know, it's a way of passing the buck. It's a way of avoiding blame. And because they don't feel confident about hiring because no one taught them how to do it, they're going to aim for the middle every time. It's sad. But here we are. The other kind of company, getting back to that, is the company where, so so in me, in my line, there's a timeline in which you say, okay, um, finds applicants, compels them to apply, phoner, interview, offer, negotiation, and hire. Right, that's the timeline of you know standard you know funnel if you were if you were me, um, and in the first kind of company the recruiters are really only there up until they apply at which point their job is to find more more prospects and that means the hiring manager has to own more of that funnel they have to do the phone screeners and they have to do the first and second round interviews they have to make the offer they have to kind of negotiate this stuff and um, sometimes a recruiter will jump in or you know an HR will jump in to help with some of those negotiating offer type spaces but um, in the end once the pile of resumes has landed on their hiring manager's desk that's their job there you go figure it out the other kind of company is one where recruiters own more of that process, where the recruiter shepherds the person through the process, where they are the, the touch point for the entire um, hiring process. So they you know, you know, look for and, 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 and go looking for prospects and go looking for good people and go reading resumes and go compelling in the application. And once the application happens, they will highlight some really interesting prospects for the hiring manager and let the hiring manager say, okay, I want you to do phoners on these four people um, and tell me who you think is good. The, high, the recruiter can do phoners and... Um, you know, kind of grade them. And I think a good hire manager or really a good recruiter should know how to tell a hire manager, what should I be looking for? You know, I'm, I'm, am I looking for diction and, and language and accent or am I looking for someone who is a self-starter? Am I looking for someone who is um, self-motivated and ambitious? Or am I looking for someone who's happy to do the exact same job day in, day out without a single mistake? What are you really looking for? Um, and of course, on the phone, you can only get so much, but you, you know, the recruiters, you know, Here's my experience. Love them or hate them, recruiters are wonderful, horrible, <laughs> beautiful people, all mixed up because we're all complex individuals. But they've usually talked to a million people, and my experience is recruiters are usually pretty good at 
fishing some of that good information out. And, and they have really good gut instincts about saying, look, this person isn't a self-starter. This person isn't ambitious. Their resume makes it sound like they are. And they tried to tell me a story in which they were. But between the lines, I got the sense that they weren't. Now, of course, the, the, the recruiter doesn't have to make the call. They can, you know, the hiring manager say, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll bring them in anyway. But the recruiters have such instincts because of purely through experience. They've been doing this a long time. So, you know, and the, the recruiter can share, and they'll, they'll call back to the, the, the prospect and say, okay, things went really, really well. We're going to set up an in-person interview. You're going to meet this person at this time. Um, give me a call when you're done. Make sure we're all good. Um, and then, you know, finish with, you know, when the, when the hiring manager says, yes, this person was great. Let's, let's hire them. The recruiter might even handle the negotiation and hire process um, up until the point where maybe not quite to onboarding, but certainly to the point of, okay, here's your start date. And then at this point, I'm going to hand you back to the hiring manager who's going to give you details on how to do it. The recruiter has a lot more work to do there. The workload is much, much different than it is in the first model. And I think companies fall into one of those two groups where the recruiter is just there to bird dog applications or there to shepherd people through the process. And obviously there's some gray areas in that space, but generally companies fall into one of those two buckets. Now, I don't think there's the right answer as to what bucket or which type of company every company should be. I don't think that's a way to go. I think you first off have to know this is who I am. Yes, I'm type A or I'm the type 1 or type 2. I am the, the, the company where the recruiter is just there to bring in applications and, I, and, I, and I'm leaning on my hiring managers to make good choices and to do the good work and to, to find good people. Or I hired good recruiters so they could really bring to bear the expertise and the experience of finding people and shepherding through the process. And that's the kind of company I want. I don't think there's a right answer. I think they're both, there's pros and cons to both. And I think certain companies will gravitate towards one or the other. Um, However, what I want to say here is that you can't in any way, shape, or form, and I, and I talked about this a bit, you can't assume that the hiring managers know what they're doing because this is, not what you, you, this is not what you pay them for, really. You pay them to keep sales up, or you pay them to keep records done, and you pay them to keep uh, everybody showing up on time, and you pay them for a million other things. This is just one of them, and this is not an area that they're trained for. If you really are serious about talent, the real, this is why I say the missing piece of recruitment and talent acquisition happens here in the bottom because this is the part that, one, isn't in your you know worldview. You you know if you're the the head of talent acquisition, the recruiters work for you. The hiring managers do not. Um, and in fact, it's a whole different world over there. And, and and lots of frictions happen when those two worlds try and collide. When the assumptions are made that recruiters understand the hiring manager's job and vice versa, it's a tough way to live. So. I had a point and I missed it and I lost it and here we go. Back to it. So, you know, if you have a space where, okay, so the hiring managers aren't trained for this stuff. So you have to say, look, if I'm leaning on my hiring managers to do the evaluation process, to do the phone screeners, to do the interview questions, who taught them how to interview? And there are plenty of people who, there are plenty of hiring managers. I know many hiring managers who are just rock stars at these things just because it's interesting to them, just because when they've been on their own interviews, they listened for questions. They were like, that's a really good question. That's interesting. I'm going to put that in the back of my head. Maybe I get to use that one day myself. Or they're in a process where they've interviewed 100 people and they've learned purely through trial and error what works and what doesn't because they were conscious of, one day I have to be good at this because the best way to make my team great is to bring in great people and I can't lean on other, you know, it, it falls to me to find great people. I, so I have to be good. I have to build that skill set up. So those people exist. Don't, don't, assume, or don't think that I assume, that hiring managers inherently are bad at this process just because no one has officially trained them. There's a lot to be said for unofficial training. Um, but most of them don't pay attention to this. This is a chore. This is, you know, in the same way that 
you know, you don't pay attention to how well you throw your garbage out. It's just a thing, you know, take out the trash. It's just a thing you got to do. It's a box you got to check. It's a, you just got to do it. You know, you didn't go to school for cleaning out those rain gutters, but you just got to go do it. And there's probably a better way to do it than this, but I don't have the time to deal with it. So I'm just going to get go ahead and get my hands and face messy trying to clean out the rain gutters. It's a horrible metaphor. You're welcome. Sorry, everyone. Um, you know, so you have to kind of focus on, if I'm going to be a company that focuses on the hiring managers, what do the hiring managers really need? Do they need to be taught how to do a phone screener? What question, and frankly, <laughs> let's be fair, there are plenty of hiring managers who don't understand the concept of illegal question. <laughs> I have been asked many, many times how old I am in an interview. You and I both know. <laughs> oh no, you, well, if you're an American, you can't do that. Oh my goodness, I could sue you from here to the Stone Age for that one. Uh, defamation and, 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 and anti-age bias all up the wazoo. Oh, there's no way. There's, you're, oh, yeah, that, that's a bad idea. But no one taught them. No one told them. You're a recruiter. You get this. You know that you can't ask them what religion they are, if they intend to, if they're a woman, if they ha intend to have kids, or what their family's like, or you know how old they are. Or, you can't ask those things. You can't. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, but no one taught them that. So um, again, even at the base level, what should you be looking for in a phoner? You know, you and I both know that a phone screener and an interviewer are two radically different things, even though to someone who doesn't really get it, um, they look very much the same. You know, it's one takes place on the phone, one takes place in person, but uh, they're still, you ask a question and I answer a question, blah, 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 blah. No, <laughs> a phone screener is really about, I'm just double checking to make sure you don't have two heads and you meet some very basic quality. A phone, a phone screener is effectively, I'm gonna waste 15 to 30 minutes of my time now to make sure I don't waste an hour of my time later, right? That's the best way to think of a phone screener. I'm here to get rid of people who are obvious idiots and people who don't meet the qualifications and who just don't, meet the basic needs for the job and get rid of them now. I'll waste my time on the phone now so I don't have to waste a full hour of me and, God help me, my team's time doing a group interview of you. Uh, that's really what a phone screener is. A, a real interview, of course, is a conversation, but a focused conversation with, the, with an intent uh, that's real, a different thing, right? It's a very different thing. And whether your interviews are half an hour or an hour or two hours, all day executive recruiters, doesn't matter. It's a conversation with an intent. But again, Recruiters know this. Most hire managers don't. If they know it, they know it accidentally, uh, or they know a piece of it. So, if you're going to be a company that says, "Hey, you're my recruiters. Go get me some applicants," and then you say that's the end of that conversation, as a company, as an executive, HR, head of talent acquisition, you need to be able to turn to the rest of the board or the rest of the C-suite and say, okay, as we bring in these people, are we arming the hiring managers with the skills to actually do something with it? If I'm bringing them gold, do they know what to do with the gold? Flat out. And again, if you're not trained, if you don't know what's going on, somebody, I read a really good book, uh, I can't remember where I got this one. Uh, oh, no, it was a, a beautiful constraint. Um, <clears throat> they, they made this uh, reference to if you put kids in a playground and you don't put you know, and it's just a wide open field, the kids will generally tend to aggregate in the center. That's just what they do because they don't know where the borders are and they don't know where the lines are, so therefore they're going to play it safe and they focus in the middle. However, you put a fence in and you put a fence that demarks exactly where the park starts and stops and what's not park, they will use every inch of that park. They will go to the corners and the edges and the center and all, and all across the middle. They will use every inch. In the same way, if you're a hiring manager and you don't know what to do, you will aim for the middle every single time because it's safer. You don't want to focus on an edge case. You don't want to focus on a potential. You don't want to focus on someone who might be really amazing, except, 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 because it's scary, because it's it's not safe. And so 
as talent acquisition manager, you have to be the one who says, look, I'm going to help you build a fence. I'm going to help you understand this model so that you can make, not gamble certainly, but certainly, but I would say uh, make choices, make real choices, not just gravitate towards the middle, but to really say, I'm going to take a risk here. I think there's something very potentially interesting with this person, and I want to be able to define what it is and who it is. That's the goal. I mean, that's really the job of the head of talent acquisition is to see the full picture of what the talent acquisition puzzle is, not just about recruiters. It's about the hiring managers. No, no, you can't, you have no effective direct control over those hiring managers, but they impact what quality of talent is happening. So you need to make it your business to understand their world so that you can start to say things like, you know what, you, we really need to help train these hiring managers. If you're in a company where the recruiters do shepherd that process through, you can't, the biggest issue there is you're going to compare yourself against other companies that don't. You're going to say, well, that company has a thousand people and two recruiters. I guess we only need two recruiters. Yeah, but that company, the recruiters just do bird dogging. In your company, they do a lot more work and it's not a fair comparison. You have to, you know, you're going to need more staff and time to help move them through the process and to set up those interviews and to set up those phone screeners and to do the basic process. It takes more manpower to do that. You're taking more work off the hiring manager, so they're happy if they even notice. Um, but you need to be able to prep the, the the recruiter. On top of which, what's happening now is that the recruiter is now ostensibly the one who understands the job best. They have to be able to ask good questions in a phoner. They have to be able to look for the right criteria in a in a resume. They have to they have to understand the job a lot more deeply, and that's a problem because. You know, as recruiters, you are expected to be able to know enough about code and databases and accounting and social media and marketing and creative design and, and sales and account management all together. And you don't. You, <laughs> those aren't your jobs. You know, you, you know them on a very shallow, facile level because you don't do those jobs where the hiring managers should know that understanding very deeply. Mm. Coffee. Um, you're, you know, I'm just saying you're putting your recruiters in a very bad spot where they have to know all those things, and it, that's effectively impossible. What you need to do then is make sure the recruiters and the hiring managers have a good relationship, that they can talk to each other, and they understand how each other works, so that the recruiter can be delivering the right people and shepherding the right people through the process. And let the hiring managers focus on the process of knowing the job and not the HR recruitment side, and let the recruiters manage that stuff. But you can't do it as silos, and you can't do it as two separate um, entities where they're throwing the football open over the fence back and forth. It's got to be about a team effort. That's what the gig is. Honestly, better team coordination and better team co communication between recruiter, recruiters and hiring managers is incredibly helpful regardless of what kind of company you are. But really, when the recruiters are effectively owning this model, the communication is twice as important because they have to understand what you're looking for and be able to communicate. They have to be your spokesperson and they can't do that unless they really understand who it is you're looking for and what, you know, what criteria, you know, what criteria is where you need to focus on. So to sum up in half an hour, um, recruiters versus hiring managers, it's, you know, blah, 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 better communication. But I think it starts by understanding who you are as a company and what your expectations are of both hiring managers and recruitment managers to say, I know what you're doing, I know how you're spending your time, and that makes sense to me, and then being able to see the gaps that exist because of those choices. Um, you can't simply say, oh, I'm just this way, and there you go. Uh, you might have gotten there, but that doesn't mean you have to stay there. If you, if you choose to put hiring managers in a role where they're owning more of the process, you have to give them materials and arms that they, and, and, and training and materials that they need to, to succeed. 
if you're f making the recruiters the owner of this process, you have to make sure that they have enough communication and enough visibility with the hiring managers that they can actually do their job. If you don't, you are allowing a gap to exist, and that gap being the fence between recruiters and hiring managers, and you're letting that gap grow. And that gap getting bigger is never a good thing. You need to close the gap. You have to see the bigger picture on, on, on hiring and, and talent acquisition to say, we need to close this gap because this is where people are falling through the cracks. So there you go. That's recruiters versus hiring managers. Hope you had uh, enjoyed this. Hope this was worthwhile. As always, um, have a complaint, question, issue, concern, want to bring up a topic for me to discuss, Twitter me, at the war for talent at the war for talent uh, or find me on the web the worldwide was it um, the talentcast.com that's the talentcast.com i'm on itunes i'm on android play i'm all over the place leave some comments talk to me let me know what's going on otherwise i will see you next week tell a friend and uh, i'll talk to you next week thanks bye <laughs>